Welcome to the Parent Podcast, where each week we'll discuss topics relevant to parents. Whether you are expecting the arrival of your first child or have kids preparing to graduate from college, we've got you covered. Each week, we'll bring on different guests who will provide their expertise and perspective in an effort to remind you that you are not alone in this journey and encourage you as you raise and lead your family. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The Parent Podcast. I'm glad you are joining in. This is your host, Robert Nash, and I'm joined by my wonderful dynamic co-host, Derek Free. Derek, how are you today? I'm doing all right. I don't know if you've ever called me dynamic before. You know, I spent some time this afternoon before recording trying to come up with better adjectives for you. And I chose one that starts with a D, much like your name. I don't know if you caught that, but I was pretty impressed with myself. I didn't catch that. I didn't even use Google. But it sounds like something like, it feels like a dad joke type move. Well, I am a dad and I do have the jokes. Oh, wow. And the laughter was about the same That's where we're that my children that. give me. We're off to a great start. We're going to probably take all that out anyway. It doesn't matter. Well, nope, that's got to stay in. It's going to stay in. Well, today, um, probably one of our, our heavier topics that we've approached so far on the podcast, we're going to be talking about uh, teen abortion. And to do that, we have some wonderful ladies from New Life Family Services here in Rochester joining us. We have uh, Tammy and Jana. Uh, Tammy, why don't you kind of give a little introduction for yourself to everybody? Sure. So my name is Tammy Coker, and I am the executive director for New Life. And um, I've been in my role for 12 years. And for those who don't know anything about New Life, we um, have been offering help and hope to those facing an unplanned pregnancy since 1973. We have three offices in the Twin Cities and one here in Rochester. And I'll just give a quick overview of our programs. We are we have a full-service licensed adoption agency called New Life Adoptions. We have four first care pregnancy centers. So again, one here right in Rochester across the street from the fairgrounds. And then our third program, which is what we'll probably talk more about today, is our Conquerors Post-Abortion Support Program. And so that is a program for those who are hurting from a past abortion to find hope and healing and forgiveness in Christ. Wonderful. And uh, Jana, tell us a little bit about yourself, please. Uh, my name is Jana Petsaneski, and I've actually been involved with New Life for over 20 years, um, but just the past probably four years, I went through their Conquerors post-abortion program and um, d- you know, just received a lot of healing and freedom from that. And then since then, I've been leading the Conquerors programs here in Rochester, small groups of women going through it. Wonderful. Now, mm-hmm. I, I haven't been to New Life Family Services here in Rochester, but uh, we, I was involved with a, a similar group down in Dallas, Texas. My wife actually did ultrasounds for some of the women that came in, um, and I, I did some of the counseling for the men that you know came along with the ladies and uh, really enjoyed it, and it's just a powerful program and ministry. And uh, I don't know if everybody's aware of it, and you know that's, that is kind of part of the reason for this podcast, to make this resource available to everyone and more well-known. So, like I said, this is this is a heavier topic, but it's one I think that maybe the church shies away from and that Christians shy away from either because we don't quite know how to discuss it or unfortunately for some it's viewed as just this horrible stain on a person and and it's almost shunning 
in a way, and, and we don't want to be that way. We're not called to be that way as, as followers of Christ, right? I mean, we one of our values here, right, Eric, move move towards the messes, you know, go go towards the difficult situations. And so that's that's kind of another reason for this particular topic. We want to be able to um, address it in the right way, and we want those listening to, to be able to have better conversations and uh, be a support for people that have been through this or are thinking about this. And Jana, you you have a very personal connection with all this. Yeah, so just you know a little bit about my past. I did not grow up in a Christian home. Kind of came from a blended family. My mom divorced when I was young and then remarried, and my stepdad was in the military and we just we traveled around a lot. My parents, it was just in the, you know, 80s. My siblings and I were often just kind of left on our own just to kind of raise ourselves um in many ways, you know, the latchkey child applied to us. And then as I got older, you know, in my teen years, I, you know, my parents were starting to kind of go, oh, well, maybe we should, you know, put a little bit of restrictions on her here and there. And I was like, nope, I've been doing it kind of on my own all this time. um, And I'm just going to keep, I'm just going to do what I want to do. I pretty, um, quickly just got connected with the wrong crowd in school. Um, and, you know, started doing a lot of drugs. I dropped out of school when I was 16. Um, I ended up living just in my car, um, staying at friends' houses, you know, maybe sleep in a park or something in the summer. Um, and at this point, I was living in New Mexico, not in Minnesota. And then, uh, you know, I got involved with a guy, and he was a long-term boyfriend of mine, and I found myself pregnant. And both of us, we just... We knew that we weren't ready, that I that I w- we were in no condition to be parents. I, I don't even know how old I was. Um, I was somewhere between 16 and 18 at the time. Um, and I know that that part of like blocking that out is just um, kind of blocking out the trauma of that time, that period in my life. Um, it just was the language, you know, what the culture was telling us. Well, you get pregnant, you just go have an abortion. You know, you can just get rid of, you can fix this problem. It's no big deal. It's not a baby anyways. And I didn't have any kind of, you know, moral upbringing to tell me anything different. So I just I was like, okay, let's just fix this, you know. And so I did. And that was hard. It actually was a lot harder than I thought that it would be. Um, and came back to a friend's house and just kind of laid on her couch and, cried you know for that night but then or for that afternoon but then later that night I was like all right let's go and I went out you know dancing we used to go out and just do that all the time and then I found myself in a very similar situation in the next again I don't know months maybe a year later I was pregnant again and this time it was a little bit harder I was like yeah that last time was I didn't you know that it, I didn't forget it, you know, like everyone said that I would. It wasn't, you know, it didn't just go away. And I found myself um, afterwards just trying to kind of medicate my pain a little bit. So I did. I did a lot of drugs and um, drank a lot. Um, and I found that that was, you know, numbing for some of the pain that I was experiencing and not being mature enough and to really process my thoughts to know exactly what I was doing, you know. So when I got I got pregnant again, and um, we just were in a very you know similar situation again, not in any condition to be parents, um, and so I had another abortion, um, and that one was a lot harder 
for me. I remember, um, I don't, you know, I don't remember the first one much at all, but the second one was very vivid when I went into the abortion clinic. And I remember sitting there waiting, and they called me back and had me, you know, on the table, get in my gown, and I laid on this cold metal table and um, they didn't there wasn't any counseling or anything like are you sure you want to do this here's some other options for you there was never anything like that they're just take my money and you know let's do this and then you know as I'm laying on the table I kind of I think I was you know thinking I don't want to do this you know but I didn't know how to get out of it at the time and I just started crying and just just bawling and the the person coming in to do the procedure they just told me to be quiet and just to lay still. You know, just we can't do this if you're going to be sobbing and shaking and stuff. Just sit still so we can do this. And I managed to, you know, collect myself and do that and went to a friend's house again and just kind of the cycle repeated, you know, and I, again, just kind of went a little further down, you know, and away from everything, um, away from making good choices. And then I found myself pregnant again. A third time. This time, it was all, you know, with the same boyfriend. I was with him for a long time. And his mom knew about both of my previous abortions. My mom, I never told her about them. But she had said something to me before. Two abortions is okay, but three abortions. Like, that's just a bit much. And I was like, okay. So I guess I won't have an abortion this time. And um, I feel like, you know, if I had ever been given another option, that I may have taken that choice, you know, gone another route. But, and so I decided to, to have this child. And I did. So I had my third child um, as a single mom when I was 19. And, and at that point, just the relationship that I was in was very bad in the first place. I mean, so I ended up moving to Minnesota at that time when he was just five, six months old with my mom. And shortly after that, when we moved, we moved to Alexandria, Minnesota. So shortly after being there, we both decided we wanted to live a new life. We wanted to change, and um, I wanted to raise my son in a completely different way than I had been raised. And so we thought, well, let's start going to church. And we did. We found a really good Christian church in Alexandria, and both my mom and I were baptized, and um, I became a Christian. And that's, that's a really interesting story how that all happened but when I did become a Christian the first thing and that was just me as I'm rocking my son to sleep one night and just looking at him and how beautiful and how perfect he was and just seeing you know looking at his little ears and you know just um, cradling him and thinking wow there is a God you know he is so perfect how can there how could he have just happened you know which is what I always thought before and I was like he was he was created and that was my first like there is a God by looking at my son. I never thought of that before. And, you know, as I was rocking him a night, and I, I knew about Jesus, um, and I knew the song, Jesus Loves Me. And um, at that point, I just started praying and asking God to help me and ask Jesus into my heart. And immediately, you know, I was convicted of my abortions and confessed those. And, you know, I know that I received forgiveness for those. And then as I started going to church and learning more about the Bible and, you know, the gospel, I knew that I had been forgiven from that. Well, I really appreciate you sharing that. I'm sure that is not an easy story to tell. Um, mm-hmm. 
but telling it is obviously important. You said before we started recording yeah. that uh, yeah. you felt like God wanted you to share this right. story. I, I, I mean, I, I believe that everything happens. God can use every single thing in our life. And God convicted me in, when I went through the Conqueror's program that I needed to use this pain in my life to for His glory. And if it meant doing something really hard and really difficult and talking about it um, publicly, then that's what I needed to do. And I knew that God would give me the strength to do it when it came down to it. So you mentioned in there, there are a couple things. You mentioned, you know, with the first pregnancy, um, it just wasn't even a thought that there was another option. Mm-hmm. It was, well, no, this is this is what people do. This mm-hmm. is this is okay. Mm-hmm. So there wasn't really, as maybe some feel now, like a, a can't think of the right word, a, a battle within, an internal struggle of do I do this or do I keep? It was just no. This is this is just how it is. Yeah, right. I mean, I had a lot of friends at the time that had had abortions, right. and you know, it was just the way the problem was fixed. And then afterwards, uh, you said for both the first and second there that, you know, you went to a friend's house and you were just kind of overcome with emotion. And, and I'm not trying to push too too hard on anything. You said it was harder than you thought it would be mm-hmm. physically, emotionally, mentally. Yes to all. Yeah. Yeah, probably all. I mean, it, there was pain, definitely physical pain involved. Um, and yeah, emotionally, I didn't expect. I just thought they're just taking some cells from my body. It's no big deal. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, I was mourning the loss of my child, and I didn't know that that's what it was. You didn't even know that's what it was, though, right. that, that that connection had formed. And, and part yep. of you, right, we're talking about, you know, well, God created this child, and uh, I truly believe something written into our DNA, you know, when God made us, that mm-hmm. that's that's part of it. That's that connection is formed right away, mm-hmm. you know, for, for mother and child, and then uh, father and, and child, too, after they're born. So mm-hmm. very, very difficult. But um, again, you know, thank you for sharing, because probably a lot of people more than we know have stories that are similar that maybe they've never told anybody and so you know hopefully hearing this for some people they'll they'll see that they can help and so kind of switching gears slightly you know we'll turn back to you Tammy and let's talk about how new life can help people facing that decision to keep or to not to keep. Yeah. Well, first, if I could even just point out a couple things that really struck me from Jana's story that we see all the time is the narrative around abortion is like we have been sold a bill of goods in our society. It's quick. It's easy. It's not a big deal. Your life can go back to normal. Painless. painless. Really, it's not a big deal. And Abortion is empowering to women, right? Have you heard that? Yep. It's the most ridiculous thing ever because what abortion really tells a woman, a young woman or an older woman, is you've really messed up too much this time. You're, there's no good way out of this. You mm. can't really do this. You're not strong enough. Well, how are you going to do that, Jana? You're 16, 17. You can't do that. Mm. And that is just a lie from the pit of hell. And so I, to me, that is one of the most frustrating parts of this conversation about abortion in general is just what lies have been told about this issue because as Jana so eloquently shared it is not easy it is not quick it does not go away and it's just like with any sin where Satan tempts us and he's like oh it's not that big a deal it's not that big a deal and then you succumb to that and he's like gotcha like ha you thought that it was over and it's not and So that's the thing that frustrates me the most is, and that's where new life comes in, and that's where the body of Christ comes in. You know, in our country, one in four women will have an abortion by age 45. One in four. 
So that is in our churches, in our Bible studies, in our neighborhoods, in our families. And that is a lot of us just sitting here who have either experienced abortion or will experience abortion. And so we, I think the body of Christ need to wake up and realize this is all around us. This is not out in the world. This is sitting in church every Sunday. And we need to educate ourselves and we need to come alongside women and men who are struggling in the midst of an unplanned pregnancy. And that's what New Life does. That's what our first care centers do, is just giving people a safe place to come and process. You know, we have a clinic that is um, the closest to um, one of the abortion facilities in the Twin Cities now. And we had a woman who got dropped off at our center and she came into our center to meet with somebody. She's like, it is just so nice. She was literally moments away from having the abortion and somebody intervened and she came to our center and she's, she said, it is just so nice to be somewhere where I don't feel pressured. Like, I just feel like I can process what I'm going through. I mean, I can only imagine, Jana, mm-hmm. if you had somebody who could sit with you and talk with you and say, okay, what are the things that you're really struggling with? How can we walk alongside you? What if we could come alongside and overcome some, some of those barriers that you're facing? You know, that that's where things are going to change. And I just applaud Jana so much for being willing to share her story. I personally believe Abortion's not going to change in our country until women like Jana and men who have been hurt by abortion are willing to share their stories and let people know, first of all, they're not alone. They're not the only ones that experienced it. And there's hope and healing and redemption on the other side of it. Well, that's a part that stood out to me when you were talking is that if someone had just spoke to me differently about this, mm-hmm. if someone would have told me, hey, this isn't the only option, um, or even shown just a little bit of care for your situation, mm-hmm. you may have gone the different direction. Yeah, yeah, I may have, you know, and I was pretty hard headed at that time too, so I may not have. Well, most you teenagers know? are, right, Derek? <laughs> You're going to pass on that one. That's smart. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, it, it, I think having the option would have been nice and having a safe place to go and process it, someone just to talk me through it. Yes, you know, you don't have a stable, a steady home right now, but can we maybe help you get there, you know, and just not having any resources? Well, you mentioned with the second one that, I mean, cold is the only word that comes to mind. I mean, stop crying and lay still. I mean, is, is, was that as much interaction at either, either one of the, those times that you got from anybody there? It was just like, you're, you're just, you're a number. Yeah. I was definitely a number. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't welcoming in any way. You know, they just were, they just wanted my money and they were just going to get it done. I would be curious uh, to hear for those that are listening that they may be in the situation right now or, you know, who knows what could happen and they, they could find themselves in the situation in the future to maybe have you explain kind of what the difference would be between coming to new life as opposed to somewhere else when they find themselves in this position and how is the the difference between how those are handled if they were to go to like a planned parenthood as opposed to coming to a new life and 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 then what kind of you guys have at new life for those that find themselves in that situation like in the moment yeah I mean, what I can say for New Life, you know, our first care pregnancy center is we want to be a safe place for people to process. And so obviously we're on a church podcast. We are a Christian organization. We are a pro-life organization. But one of the um, our tagline for our first care center is no pressure, no judgment, just answers. Like Mm -hmm. we really are here to support you. 
Women facing an unplanned pregnancy have so many pressures coming at them. 64% of women having abortions report feeling coerced or pressured into that decision. So we hear the my body, my choice, but it's really, for many women, it's not a choice. They're being pressured by parents, they're being pressured by boyfriends, they're being pressured by society, by anybody. And so we wanna just be a safe landing place. You know, our hope is to be able to walk alongside women and men, and, and just say, how, what can we do? How can we walk along and serve you? We have licensed social workers in all of our centers. Um, Caitlin is the social worker here in Rochester. Mar- excuse me, Marissa also works with um, clients directly here in Rochester. And like, you can just have a safe place to talk and to process. And like, how do I tell my parents? What do I do about this? Can I, can I even do this? Is this a possibility? And what will your life look like? You know, there is no easy answer in an unplanned pregnancy. You can choose parenting, you can choose adoption, and you can choose abortion. None of those are easy. None of those are going to be quick answers. And I think one of the greatest gifts that you can give yourself is the gift of time to thoroughly process that with somebody who's not going to judge you, who's not going to pressure you, who's just going to listen and be there for you. And that's what we offer. You know, I can't speak to what other places um, in the community would do, All I can tell you is what we can do, and we will be a safe landing place without judgment, without pressure, just to love on you, to walk alongside you. If you need somebody to come talk with your parents, you know, about it, we will do that with you. Like, that's what we do. We're good at it. And I'm assuming that, I mean, somebody comes in, they talk with you, and they're still undecided. I mean, you're not trying to corner them. Like, come back. Talk more if you need to. Absolutely. Like, we truly, you know... At the end of the day, I mean, we're a life-affirming organization. We're not going to refer somebody to go have an abortion. We won't do that. We tell you that up front. But we're going to come along and support you and give you the space that you need to make a decision. We're going to, we offer pregnancy testing. We do ultrasounds. We um, have decision-making counseling. You can come as often as you want to talk with one of our social workers. If you want to explore adoption and see what that would look like, you can do that. You can talk with other women who've placed for adoption. You can talk with women like Jana who've had an abortion. You can talk with women who've parented. You know, we just want to come along and support whatever that looks like. We also do have a parenting program. It's our largest program that we have. It's called Every Family. And so for those who choose to parent, we can walk alongside you until your child is age five. Wow. So it's a long-term process. We're here for you all the way. We're not going to just, you know... Have you make a quick decision and turn you away? We're here for you. Is there a cost associated or is this like a free service to, to anybody free. that comes in? Completely free to anybody who comes in. Amazing. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. I would love to hear both from the, the new life side, but also Janet, like we talked a little bit in her, like that your story, obviously you, you became a Christian after having abortions and that I'm sure that and a process after that to kind of and I don't know if come to grips is the right word, but the reality of what had happened, you know, with those abortions and, and what that meant to you. And so maybe hearing some of your story of, of you know, how you've processed that over the years and, and, and where you're at and then hearing from new life, because there are people who are probably listening who they're not in it right now. It happened in the past, but they're still dealing with it. And kind of for you guys, uh, how you guys can come along or help those people who may not aren't in it in the moment, but are they don't know what to do with all of the the things they're feeling yeah. or all of the stuff they're still 
the baggage they have associated with it and what do they do with that? So Sure. So um, after, you know, I became a Christian, um, I pretty quickly got involved in the pro-life movement, just, you know, volunteering with New Life. I ended up moving down to Rochester and attended the Bible College here. And then as a service project, I volunteered with New Life for years. And I was a single mom at the time, too. So they had a really strong single mom ministry um, that really blessed me in a lot of ways. And I would go up to the cities and volunteer there, sit, go outside uh, abortion clinics and pray. I just threw myself into that. I really served in the church a lot. So I kept myself really busy. And I never really spent any time thinking about my abortion other than, you know, forgive me, God. And I knew that he did, right? Because Jesus' blood can cover it all. And I knew that. But I didn't know how it was just eating me up on the inside. And I think, and it wasn't until going through the program that I was really able to look at it and and see that, you know, I was confusing my feelings of emotional um distress, you know, my regret, my remorse, and my grieving with unforgiven guilt, Mm. because I was having a hard time forgiving myself, and then feeling a lot of shame. Um, And especially so when I would be in church, and then abortion would come up, I, I never felt like I was being attacked by the church, really. There were a few times when, you know, on the news, you would see something, and they would call you someone a murderer, you know, and that's, that's hard to hear. But then I, I gave myself that that title too, you know, I'm a murderer. So I, you know, would see stuff on the news and, you know, hear from the the pulpit. Um, and I never really felt condemned, you know, in that way. But anytime I would hear abortion, my heart would just start pounding and I would start sweating. And I'd go to the New Life banquet and there was always someone sharing their conqueror story at the banquet. And um, I would just be a puddle of tears. I mean, I would just be bawling through the whole thing. And then at the end of it, I'm like, I think... I think I'm struggling with this. You know, I think there's something not, you know, totally healed here. It took years for me doing that every year. And I, I, would con- I contacted New Life three or four different times saying, I need to go through your program. And they're like, okay. And they'd call me back and I wouldn't answer. <laughs> and I just wouldn't get back to them. And I'm like, nope, I'm busy. I don't think I can deal with this now because I knew it was going to bring up a lot of pain. And then it was, you know, one of the times at the banquet, I was sitting there and listening to someone's story and God just kind of, you know, said to me, Jana, you're going to be up on that stage one of these years. And I was like, (laughs) no, I'm not. (laughs) No, I'm not. (laughs) I was like, that is not me. (laughs) And sure enough, you know, three or four years later, I was. And, you know, just married. Um, I've been married 12 years now. And my husband was very supportive, just really, really supportive and encouraging. And when I mentioned, you know, wanting to go through the program, he's like, do it. You know, we need to do it. We'll make space for you to do this. And I needed to kind of clear stuff because it was, you know, a nine-week nine-week program, and there was a lot of grief, a lot of grieving, a lot of processing going through. Um, with that, I really confused, in my mind, the difference between guilt and shame, mm. you know, because I think guilt comes from, you know, that's the Holy Spirit, you know, prompting us of our sin and confronts our behavior and our wrong choices where shame attacks our identity and shame, you know, condemns us. Mm -hmm. And I was living under this condemnation, you know, that was just straight from Satan. And I just wasn't living in the freedom. I wasn't walking a free Christian life, even though I was serving a lot. You know, I was doing all the Christian things. If you look at me from the outside, people would be like, she's, you know, she's a good Christian or whatever. But I just wasn't 
I knew, you know, that something was was missing there. And I was stuck there for years. And the program just really, really opened my eyes to that. I feel like every Christian has something that they've they've done in their past, either before they came to Christ or even after, right? And there's that that shame, I like how you said that, of well if people knew about this, man, I would they they'd kick me out of the church mm-hmm. or they would view me differently or they wouldn't allow me to serve in this ministry and 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 that fear is what it is it's very Keeps, much fear it's fear mm-hmm. that, that then controls us and and so we don't share i was at a conference just this past week and the very final message they preached i mean it just it blew me away it was so simple but it was so true you know um he kind of talked about how christians are really good at talking about how jesus saved us but we do not talk about what he saved us from we don't want anybody to know about mm-hmm. that well, we don't tell people what Jesus saved us from and how he changed our life, then then why are they going to believe that he can do it for them? And, uh, you know, essentially he kept saying, show your scars. Yep. Show people your scars, and, and, and that's what you're doing, and yep. you know, and, and it's changed you. Yeah. It's freed you. Right. It it totally has. And there, um, the verse, Psalm 56, 4 says, In God I trust, I will not be afraid. What can mortal man do to me? I remember reading that and just because I was scared, you know, like if I tell other people, am I going to be like, I'm, they're just going to look at me like I'm this awful person. And then I was like, who cares what Mm. they think? I was like, it doesn't matter what they think. What can they do to me? You know, I need to take this and I need to use it. I need to testify on how God has worked in my life, completely changed me, set me free, you know, from this shame and this condemnation. And um, I need, if I don't, we need to testify, you know, we, and so God can be glorified. And I think, I like what you were saying, we need to show our scars, you know, not just with abortion, with addiction, with pornography, with adultery, with so many different things. I think we need to be transparent and share our scars. And I think that, that shame and, and fear, you know, ultimately those, those are tools that the enemy uses, right, to, to keep you in there. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, he doesn't want us being freed from all that. So, so what about the other side of it? Yeah. Well, I love that. Thanks for sharing that, Jana. I think sometimes we look at stories and we think, well, that was before they were a Christian. And there is still a component that we're missing um, from Jana's story, which is, you know, the one in four women who will have an abortion in our country. But statistically, in a survey that was done about six years ago, 36% of women who were having abortions were regularly attending a Christian church at least once a month at the time of their abortion. Mm. So these are not always people outside of the church. And it's easy sometimes to hear people's story and think, well, that was before, but that's not now. But there are women in our churches every Sunday who are still going out and having abortions. And there are women who are sitting in our churches every Sunday who are hurting from a past abortion. And so I applaud you so much for talking about this topic because I can hardly think of a more divisive topic to talk about. You know, it becomes so politicized, it becomes so crazy so quickly and so personal. And so I think it's so important that we talk about it. One of the kind of lines we use with our Conquerors program is, and it sounds so simple, but it's true, is abortion is not the unforgivable sin. Mm. And so we can hear about other sins and pastors talk about other sins, but they don't always talk about abortion because it's just too political, too much, too whatever. And so I think the the language that that gives to somebody sitting in our churches is 
it's unforgivable. Like that's that's a whole nother level, and it's not. That's the truth is it's not. And so, our Conquerors program, which Jana is a part of now, she's one of our facilitators. I mean, walks alongside women in the pain, the shame, and the guilt, and the the hurting because. Especially in our churches, you can feel like you are the only one. I cannot tell you the number of women that I have met who said, I sat in church for 20 years, and I thought, all these other people have their whole lives together except me. Mm. Like, I'm the only one who could have possibly done what I did. And it's simply not true. And so I think it takes such courage to step out and say, like Jana did, I need help. Like, I'm not okay with this. And that's what our Conquerors groups do. It's a nine-week program, as she shared. We have groups coming up in Rochester. Jana might be one of the facilitators. like So you mm-hmm. could actually really connect even personally with Jana. But I promise you, anybody who is stuck in the shame and the guilt and the pain of abortion, there is hope, there is healing, there is redemption, there is freedom in Christ, just like Jana talked about. I, I just love, I've never, there's not been a program, I think, just that resonates so well to me with as Conquerors does with just seeing somebody come so hurting and broken and leaving so free and restored. And I want that for everybody who's experienced abortion. So you gave me one of the uh, the New Life brochures here and uh, under the Conquer- Conquerors program. You got a quote from somebody that I assume went through it, and I w- want to share it real quick. In the past, people had tried to say things to help me, but it only hurt me in the process. Conquerors was completely different. It gave me a venue to give dignity to the life of my child, not just healing and forgiveness. Conquerors was very challenging for me. It's one of the most difficult things I've ever done and one of the best. Mm-hmm. So then speaking towards this stigma that unfortunately, you know, we the church have placed on abortion, how can we then begin to to change the narrative? You know, one of the things that radically changed and you know, I've been doing this work for 20 years now. And I have not done it perfectly and I have messed up even within my own family. But one of the things that radically changed me was when any time I talked about the topic of abortion, I imagine the person that I was talking to had had an abortion and never told anybody. And if you do that, change hearing people's stories changes you. And if you imagine that every time you're talking about this topic, that the person in front of you has had an abortion and never told anybody, even if it's your best friend, even if it's a family member, it's somebody you've known forever, always have that lens and it will change the language that you use. You will naturally be more gracious. You will be kind. You will be thoughtful in the words that you choose. That's probably one of the most impactful things I could try to impart to people is just imagine every single time. Because one in four times you will be right. Right. One in four times they will have had an abortion. And the change in your language will have made a difference. Probably wise in a lot of different areas yeah, exactly. that, that, that we have uh, unfortunately fumbled the ball with, right? And, and how we approach people, right? And so the way we become less hateful is let that approach, right? Think right. of the person you're talking to that potentially they may have gone through X, right? What else could we do? How, else, how, could, how could families listening to this right now help other people. I mean, practically, you know, I would even just say we would love to have people involved in our our center here, in our Rochester First Care Center. I mean, we have churches doing diaper drives. We have bundling events. Like, 
We are tangibly supporting the community of Rochester with practical support. And you can walk alongside us and do that with us. Do you us. do baby bottle boomerang? We do. I love me some baby <laughs> bottle boomerang. One we of my favorite things to do. say from the stage at my last church. Well, and I think, you know, what you said, Tammy, is so important to just getting involved with new life and that just showing that there's a value for life of, of children, you know, and that it's an option that there's that if you do have an unplanned pregnancy, that you'll be supported. And the other thing, too, that I was what that I was thinking about is you know see that there's this stigma on you know abortion it's the scarlet letter but is there any sin that is any worse than any other in God's eyes right we, we are the ones who begin to rank sin by our own we do we compare you know? I, we compare ourselves to each other mm-hmm. instead of comparing ourselves to a holy God yeah. you know your lying lips and my abortion is compared to a holy God is just as filthy. Mm. So, you know, and that needs to come from, you know, to be preached, right? Absolutely. Your sin isn't any worse than this person's sin when we compare it to God. For parents that are listening, I mean, that's what this is for, right? It's a parent podcast. It's hopefully help them and equip them and such. I don't think any parent hopes or plans that they would find themselves in a situation where their child is pregnant, you know, as, as a teen or, or whatnot. I don't think any of them are like expecting that, rooting for that or hoping for that. But what would you give advice to that parent who finds themselves in that situation of things and ways that they can approach the conversation, that they can approach their child in the midst of it? And even maybe that first time hearing it and that first conversation that sets the path on a good trajectory as opposed yeah. to like a bad trajectory. Well, I can speak. I have three boys ages 18 to 22. And so we've had a lot of conversations in our household um, about all of these things. And to me, the first thing I would say is just be open and have the dialogues with your kids. I know they're hard topics. Nobody wants to talk about sex. Nobody wants to talk about abortion. All of those things are difficult, but you have to. There was a year in my life where I think I had five of my fr- personal friends reach out to me because they knew what I did, because their kids were going through an unplanned pregnancy or a scare or something to that effect. And so it's going to hit all of us in one way or another, whether it's our kids or our friends' kids or you know whoever. And so I think we just need to be very open and have those conversations with our kids. I think we also need our kids to feel safe with us. And I know that's hard, and I know kids or teenagers especially are... Um, don't love to be open with their parents. But I think if you can always be building in them from when they're young, you can talk to me about anything, like anything you can come to me. I think that's probably one of the most important things. And then on the flip side, if you're in the middle of it, I think being a safe landing board for them to process. And you don't have to have all the answers. I think the first thing if you can say is I love you. We're going to get through this. It's going to be okay. And then you call new life and then we will walk alongside you i have had many phone calls with parents our staff have had calls with parents like we're that's what we're here for is to just help equip you you don't have to have all the answers you just need to know where to go and i would say we're the place to go here especially here in rochester you know while you were talking about all that with your situation you you had moved away you know your your mom your parents weren't part of that process in the beginning but sometimes for some families that find themselves in this situation you know it's it may be not their child thinking to themselves oh no how is everybody going to think about me it's the parents like oh no they'll view me now in a certain light Mm -hmm. and so parents then force lead their child into to making that decision so 
for anybody listening, you know, even even find yourself in that situation, reach out to Absolutely. you guys and, and talk it through and uh, you help them out. So. And it's scary. I mean, as a parent, we want our kids to make good choices. We hope sure. for the best and we don't want to admit our own failures, but it's life. And I think having teenagers, nothing. <laughs> I mean, there is there is no perfect parent. You know, I have friends who... Um, his kids have gotten pregnant. I have friends who've done drugs. I have friends whose kids have committed suicide. It's devastating. All amazing Christian families who love the Lord and are walking with him, but life is messy. And mm. we can't control our kids. All we can do is come alongside them, support them, love them, and know how to get the help that you know they're looking for. One of the things that sticks out most to me from, from all this that I just want people to be sure to hear, I mean, not even just about... Um, unplanned pregnancy and abortion and all that. What I want people to know, no matter what you've done as a non-Christian or as a Christian, any other time in your life, God wants to and will forgive you. The, the, the price, the punishment for, for what you've done, it was paid. It's it's done. Jesus took care of it on the cross, right? There There's forgiveness for everybody. I, it breaks my heart whenever I hear any person say, no, I'm too far gone, or no, my sin is too great, or the things I've done, it would it would just blow your mind if you knew the things I've done. It might blow my mind, it wouldn't blow God's mind. And he will forgive you, right? There's hope, there's a future beyond the mistakes we've made. Second, as a church, as Christians, as believers, we have to be better about showing people the scars of our past. We have to be willing to to open up, and that's hard to do. I mean, I left that conference. I'm like, heck yeah, I'm gonna make it happen. By the time I got to the hotel, I'm like, you know what? It's probably not that big of a deal, though. <laughs> no one, no one would, no one would care. Um, you got to get past that shame. You got to get past that fear because that's what's holding you back. That's what's keeping you down. And share because you you could change somebody's life. It will change your life doing it, but but you could really help somebody. And number three, new life family services. I mean, if you if you're in need, right? contact uh you know i'm in the show notes here for anybody listening i'll put all the different websites i'll put the phone number contact information you know reach out to them if, if you find yourself uh in need of help with an unplanned pregnancy or you know even you've had an abortion already you know they're they're there to help you no judgment no problems right final thoughts from either one of you before we wrap up yeah i guess i would just really like to encourage you know any woman that may have had an abortion or even any man, you know, because we didn't address that and it affects men too. You know, if it's not through new life, you know, to seek healing and to spend time processing how that has affected you. And, you know, the Conquerors program, like we've said many times, is just an incredible program and will really um, walk you through that. And we just, I just would encourage, encourage any woman to, to come forward and, you know, get, seek some healing there. I completely agree. And I would just say, take that first step towards healing. I mean, it's it's a scary step, but it's a brave step and your life will never be the same in a good way. And so, and if you need help or you need resources, reach out to us. We're here for you. Wonderful. Well, thank you so very much for being here, addressing a difficult topic, sharing something that was very hard for you to share in the beginning. And now you're being used to, to inspire help other people and it's it's very much appreciated again we'll put all the information for contact into the show notes Derek I'm going to be real honest I don't know what next week's episode is I have no clue they're just going to have to tune in to find out it's like the you know when you get the mystery candy you don't know the flavor do they still put 
prizes and cereal boxes. Do you remember prizes and cereal boxes? I don't think they do do that anymore. They don't. It's a choking hazard probably. Our kids are gypped. They are gypped. I mean, granted, we probably threw that away within 24 hours, or our parents did for us. Derek, I'm just going to go ahead and wrap up because we can ramble for a a while. All right. Everybody, thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you for listening to The Parent Podcast. The Parent Podcast is produced by Autumn Ridge Church and Robert Nash. Our sound engineer is Ian Benoit. Our theme song is Silver Skies by Geome. Follow us on Twitter at Parent Podcast or on Instagram at The Parent Podcast. You can email us with questions or topics you would like us to cover at parentpodcast at autumnridgechurch.org. For more information on Autumn Ridge Church, please visit autumnridge.church. Thank you for listening.